All right, get your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and whenever you find that, uh, actually don't stand yet, here's what I want you to do. If you have a little ribbon dilly bobby, that's what they're called, I think, the ribbon dilly bobby hangy downy thingies, um, put that in Matthew 7, because we're going to be there for a while tonight. If you don't have a hangy dilly bobby thingy, just put something there, a bulletin or you can envelope and then put it back when you're done, whatever you need to do. But that way we get there quick. And then when you do that, go to First Thessalonians chapter 5 and then go ahead and stand when you find it. And we will read our two verses tonight. And again, we stand. I want to say this for at least a while. Maybe it might just become a habit. But we stand to give honor to the eternal, infallible, inerrant word of the living God that we hold in our hands. And so it's always give reverence to this. This is incredible. And sometimes it becomes um, just normal life for us. And I hope it does. I hope it's a habit that you have the Word of God in your hand. But don't let it ever just become a habit. This is the Word of God that we get to read tonight. So it's pretty awesome. I'm excited about it. So we're going to read verse 21 and 22. It's pretty short. Can you read with me? They're all pretty small words. So do your best, okay? I'll do my best, and we'll do our best together. Verse 21, ready? Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And so we're, gonna, we're again in a series. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Paul is, and when Paul is, we are. We just do what the Bible's doing, right? Uh, and we're kind of at the end of that, and here's the title. The healthy sheep, that's kind of what we're talking about, the healthy sheep's relationship with a wolf's voice. The healthy sheep's relationship with a wolf's voice. What are you talking about? Okay. That's what we're going to do. get it figured out together. Are you ready? Let's pray and we'll get into it. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how clear it is, how helpful. I pray that you help me tonight as I declare it. I pray that you give me clarity of mind. And Lord to proclaim your word in a way that's easy to understand and easy to follow, and that your Holy Spirit can take the truths of your word tonight and fight for our hearts to need that. And I pray that you would bless all that happens tonight and be glorified by it. Christ in my pray, amen, amen, you may be seated. And so again, for those who've been with us for the past few weeks, uh, some, some haven't, we have some returning guests, and so what we're, what we're doing is we're in a series, again, Paul is, uh, in a series helping the church of Thessalonica to be a healthy church. Not to necessarily to become a healthy church, they have been a healthy church, and I'm thankful for that. And Paul was very thankful for that. And I'll say again, I'm very thankful that Valley Avenue Baptist Church is, I would consider, a healthy church. And by the way, it's not just me who says that. As people come through and, and, and see the Spirit and witness what's happening, uh, we hear a lot that what's happening here is not normal. It's a blessing that we're a part of. Um, but we do need to learn how to stay that way. And the Church of Thessalonica needed to learn how to stay that way. And so, starting in verse 12, really, Paul is helping that church, Thessalonica, to, to keep, to stay healthy by keeping healthy relationships in the church. Now, what are the relationships? Well, verse 12 and 13 is the relationship between the under-shepherd and the sheep. If we keep that analogy of the sheep, the sheep being the church and the church family, 
uh, the, the under-shepherd, which is the pastor, and the sheep need to have a good, healthy relationship. Okay? Verses 14 and 15 address the relationship between the sheep and the sheep, and the church members need to each have good relationship with each other. Nothing will destroy a church faster than, than schisms and fights in the church. And the devil would love nothing more than for us to fight each other so much that we can't fight him. And so that's one of his tactics. So we need to be right with each other. Verses 16 to 19 address this relationship between the sheep and the great shepherd, God himself. And, and your relationship with God is that. It's a relationship with God. It's personal. And we come and we our, our personal relationship is, is shown at church, but our church life cannot be our, our walk with God. It's an extension of our walk with God, you see? And you need to have a personal walk with God and relationship with Him, even when you're not here and no one can see it, okay? All right, and then last time we saw in verses 19 through 20 that Paul addressed the relationship between a sheep and the good shepherd's voice, okay? So we have a personal walk with God, but then you need to have a good relationship with the voice of God. And specifically, we talked about one major way that God speaks to his people is through the man of God who declares the word of God. He receives a message from God and he declares it to God's people. That's a major way that God has chosen to communicate to his people and it's called prophesyings. And so he said, despise not prophesyings. And then um, today we're going to see the relationship with a wolf. <clears throat> Unfortunately, as we'll see today, not everyone who claims to be prophesying is actually prophesying. What do you mean? Well, not everyone who says that they're speaking on God's behalf is actually speaking on God's behalf. They're not always speaking the truth of the Word of God, even though they say they are. Unfortunately, there's a lot of false doctrine out there, a lot of false teaching out there. In fact, Paul, who wrote this letter, said, in Acts 20, verses 29 and 30, you don't have to turn them, which you just went to, but he was talking to the church at Ephesus and the leadership of the churches in the Ephesus area, and he was telling them this for, to the pastors there in that area, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you. That means that they have their flock, and there's going to be wolves not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise. Here's how, the, here's how wolves enter churches. Speaking perverse things. That means they come into churches and they speak false doctrine and it sounds good. How do you know it sounds good? Because he says, to draw away disciples after them. And what happens, Paul prophesied what happened is this, that we would have a church who's doctrinally sound and then wolves will try to enter and speak perverse, false doctrine, and what will happen is we'll pull members out of the church. It happens. Paul said it would happen, and we're going to see today it has happened and is happening. There are wolves who come into the flock and speak false doctrine and draw disciples after them. So in our passage we're going to see what Paul has to say about the relationship between a sheep and a wolf's voice. Do you recognize a wolf's voice? I hope you do. There's only really one way to do that, and that's to really know the shepherd's voice. 
but oftentimes people are so apathetic with the shepherd voice that they don't even recognize the wolf voice. And that's a sad, that's a sad commentary. And so our passage is actually very clear tonight. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. To prove all things. Prove means this, to examine something, to put it to the test, to test something, to see if it's legitimate or not. Right? Like if you got a $100 bill from somebody you don't know, it might be good to see if it's real or not. And that, why? Because that's pretty important. There's something a lot more important than that. And that's when someone is saying they're declaring the word of God. We better put it to the test, you see. And then it says prove all. Let me help you with this. All. It comes from a Greek word, pos, which means all. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I'm a theologian. All. That means everything. Every time you hear preaching, from anybody who says they're speaking for God, you make sure what they're saying is, is put to the test. Well, how is it put to the test? That it lines up with Scripture. What I say doesn't matter. As long as it applies, all that matters that I say is how it applies to the Scripture. That's why I try to teach you and give you context and give you definitions and be boring because, honestly, I don't really care if you think I'm a good preacher. What I care about is if you understand what the Bible is saying. Because it needs to come from the Word of God. And that means, here's what that means, is you need to make sure that all teaching you receive comes from the Scripture. Don't just believe everything you hear. Just because someone claims to be teaching you the Bible doesn't mean they are. So then he explained further when he said this, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And so Paul told the church at Thessalonica, examine everything that you hear, Find out if it's good, and if it's good, hold on to it. Hold fast to it. And if you find out it's not good, abstain from it. Pretty clear, right? Now, I want you to remember the context. In general, it's a good practice to hold on to anything that's good and to stay away from anything that's evil. In general, that's true. And I believe you can make application with these verses. And honestly, these verses get pulled out of context quite a bit. And, it's, you know, people will quote, abstain from all appearance of evil, and they're just talking about anything that even looks remotely evil. And I think that's true. That's the truth of the Word of God, and you can make that application from here. But, but what I want to do tonight is, is be as close to this context as possible, right? And what's happening tonight is Paul just got done with talking to them about prophesyings. We're talking still about prophesyings. In the context, we're talking about prophesyings. It was clear command to make preaching important to you. You need to, right before this passage, last week we dealt with it, preaching needs to be primary. Preaching needs to be important. When you know that there's going to be preaching in the house of God, you should be here. Why? Because preaching is important. It's how God primarily has decided to speak to his people through the proclamation of his word. But unfortunately, not everyone who claims to be a prophet or a Bible preacher. That's prophets today are just Bible preachers. We don't get new prophecy from God anymore. We just proclaim what has been said. But just because someone claims to be a Bible preacher or a Bible teacher, it doesn't necessarily always mean they're giving you the word of God. You need to know that. And I hope you do know that. I hope this is all just review and helpful to you. 
but maybe some of us don't do this. Maybe we don't discern and, and make sure what we're hearing is actually from God or not. And as here's why this is all matters. This is all very important. Here's why. Because as we saw, there are wolves. There are wolves that would like to enter the flock and pull sheep out with false doctrine. And so I want us to turn to Matthew 7. So if you wouldn't mind, um, we'll be back in 1 Thessalonians at the very end, but we'll be in Matthew 7 for a little while. Matthew 7. Now, we're going to see here what Jesus said about false prophets. Now, this is before Jesus even really taught a lot of his teachings. This is before Jesus gave the word of God to the apostles and that we had the New Testament. And so a lot of this is going to be prophetic as far as future. He's warning his disciples, okay? But here's Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is a Sermon on the Mount. If you have a red letter Bible, you'll see there's a lot of red here. It's because... This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And for three chapters, he's been doing this, teaching his disciples. He sat his disciples, and he was helping his disciples to understand how that a disciple is supposed to live, how you get saved, how you live for Christ, and, and, and what you're supposed to believe. This is, this is the teachings of Christ, okay, for three chapters, which is pretty cool. And at the end, it's toward the end of his sermon, he said this in Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And so Jesus was telling them, here's what he's saying, everything I just taught you, my teachings, it's the only way. It's the narrow way. There's only one way to walk, and it's the way that I've taught you. There's only one way. There's only one truth, and it's what I've taught you. Actually, he told them very clearly in John 14, 6, later on, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh to the Father but by me. He is not a way. He is not a truth. He is not a life. He is the way, the truth, the life. The only way to be saved is through him and what he's taught. Now, that's pretty exclusive. It is pretty exclusive. And our world hates that, actually. And I was going to get into this whole thing about our society. And, and our society has made a paramount virtue inclusivity and tolerance and, and, and all that. But I just didn't have time for that because I had too much Bible to tell you. But, but here's what you need to know is that the gospel is exclusive. There is only one way. There are not many ways to heaven, just one. There's only one way. And by the way, it's not just one way to heaven. There's only one way to live the Christian life after you're saved. It's all, there's only one way, and it's right here. It's right here. And so then in the very next verse, look at verse 15. What does he say? Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening what? Wolves. Wolves, just like Paul said, right? He said, beware of false prophets. He had to say that. Why? Because there were false prophets. <laughs> there would be a lot of people who would be trying to convince them what? What's the context? What's the, what did he just say? The broad path and the narrow path. 
And Jesus said there's only one path, and it's narrow. But he said there's going to be people who try to convince you that the broad way is the way. They'll be false prophets. You see? And they're trying to convince men to take the broad path that leads to destruction. There's going to be men out there who do that. A lot of people who try to tell them that there is no narrow way. And they'll say things like this, as long as you believe in God, it doesn't, and nothing else really matters. Then they'll say things like that. As long as you love people, as long as you love Jesus, you're too narrow-minded. That's what they'll say. You're too narrow-minded. You're too divisive with your doctrine. You're too dogmatic about what you believe. If you love people, you wouldn't be narrow-minded. And they'll say things like that. And that's exactly what's happening today, isn't it? I remember when I surrendered to preach. And I was in, I had just graduated high school. I was in Arizona, Arizona State University, and I was working at a law firm. And the lawyer I worked for, super nice guy, great guy. And I told him what I was going to do, and I was going to go to Bible college. And so he sat me down, and he said, you know, when I graduated high school, I almost went to Bible college. But then I had some friends convince me to go to law school. And there's a lot about that, and I think just because I don't have time. But he said, so, 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 you know, I'm interested in this religion thing, you know, religious stuff. And he said, since then, I've read as many religious texts as I could. He read, he read the Bible, he said. He read the Koran. He read the Buddhist writings. He said, I've come to this conclusion. You know what? This is where it all comes down to. God is love. And everything else is left to the good. But then he said, I'll never forget it. What are you talking about? There's a lot that's up there. You know, no, there's no debate. There's one way. And it's not just that God is love. But, but what he is saying is representative of much of our society. And you talk to people in Fall City, and they'll say things like, you know, it doesn't really matter what church you go to. As long, what matters is why you go to church, not what church you go to. Well, that sounds nice and fuzzy and warm, but why are you going to church? Hopefully you're going to church to get doctrine. And it, so if that's why you're going to church, then really it matters a lot where you go to church. Anyway, that's just not true. That's just not true. God is love, and because he loves us, he gave us his word so that we can know how to be saved from his wrath, so that we can know how to be a disciple of Christ, so that we can know how to serve him with our life and please him with our life, and so that when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, if we are saved, we can have a lot of rewards that we can cast at his feet. He gave us all of that because he loves us. By the way, the God who loved the world so much that he gave his life to save them said, there's a narrow road and there's only one way. I think he loves people more than even I do. And even more than they do, the ones who say that we're not being loving. <laughs> <clears throat> And he's not just talking about saying the name Jesus. You see, Jesus is not just saying, as long as you attach my name to it, then I'm the way. That's not what he said. What he's talking about here is his teachings. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way. We're talking about following his teachings. He just gave them three chapters worth of teachings. And then what he taught really was just the scratching of the surface because then he would continue to teach his disciples for three and a half years and those disciples would write down his teachings in what we have now as the New Testament. And so then Jesus Christ's teachings are, are 
the New Testament and a fulfillment and incorporation of the Old Testament. This is Christ's teachings. There's a lot here, and it's pretty narrow. And so the ones who point out the narrow way are the ones who truly love people. Can I say that again? The ones who point out the narrow way are the ones who truly love people. Why? Because that's the way, Jesus says, that leads to life. It's the false prophets who don't truly love people, even if they think they do. Why? Because the broad way they're pointing people to, in the name of love and inclusivity, Jesus says that path is leading to destruction. That's not good, you see. Well, how dare you say that they don't love people? They're nice, and I think they mostly are nice. But let's see how Jesus describes it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. That's how Jesus describes it. And he said they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, what that doesn't mean is that they look like sheep because they wear clothing to make them look like sheep. The ones who wore the sheep clothing were shepherds. Shepherds would make their clothing out of the wool of their sheep. And so Jesus is saying that what's hap- what will happen is there will come people, false prophets, who come in and teach you things, and they'll look like a shepherd. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. A ravening, ravening means a wild beast who's out to destroy. That doesn't seem very nice, but that's the way Jesus described it, you see. So they'll look like they really love and care about you. And honestly, here's the deal. Honestly, I think in their hearts, they, they, think, they think they really love you and care for you. And they'll look like they're trying to teach you things that matter. And they might even talk about God, and they might even say the name Jesus. And they might even quote scripture but Jesus said they are false prophets. False prophets. But what's a prophet? A prophet is one who's a mouthpiece for God, who says the things of God. And so a false prophet is not one, we're not talking about someone who, who is an uh, Islam imam, right, who teaches the teachings of Islam. That's not what we're talking about when we say false prophet. We're not talking about a Buddhist uh, priest in the temple. We're talking about someone who claims to be a prophet of the living God, but what they're saying is not prophesying. You see? False prophets. And so prophets proclaim the word of God, and so these false prophets will tell you that they're trying to tell you what God says, but in reality what they're doing, Jesus said what they're going to be doing is pointing you to the broad way. To the broad way. And again, they'll say things like this. God is love. And God loves everyone. So no matter how you vote, you need to stop caring so much about doctrine. And they'll say things like that. You'll hear that in town. Why do you care so much about doctrine? I don't think, they'll say things like this. I don't think God cares what church you go to. As long as you believe and love him. And they'll say that. Again, that all sounds really nice. The problem is that God does say that he does care a lot about what you believe. You see, and they can, I mean, because if it sounds nice, doesn't mean it's what God says. Are you following? God's very, very concerned about what you believe. 
He's very concerned about it. In fact, he gave us an entire book to help you know what to believe. God is very concerned. And God is not like, hey, just believe whatever you want, as long as you're sincere. No, it's not, that's not what God says. That's not, that's not God's message, you see. That's the false prophet's message who points to the broad way, you see. And basically, they're saying the path to God is broad. God's way is very broad, and it includes a lot of beliefs. Believe however you want to, and that's okay. Your truth is your truth, you know? And my truth is my truth. And I say all of this because I love you and God loves you. And they sound like a shepherd, but inwardly, they're ravening wolves. Now, I don't think they're trying to devour and, and destroy, but their message does devour and destroy. And they sound nice and friendly, and they might even be nice and friendly, and the broad path might feel warm and fuzzy, but they're pointing you to destruction. Look at what he says in verse 21, just a few verses later. Not everyone who saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is all in the same context. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about the judgments, the, white, the great white throne judgment, when people are judged for their sin. And Jesus says, not everybody who stands in front of me at the, the day of judgment and says, Lord, Lord, I'm here, let's keep reading, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. He says, you need to walk the narrow way if you're going to go to heaven. And not everyone who claims my name is going to be in heaven. Jesus is saying all of this. And he's being pretty clear and blunt about it. Look at verse 22. Many will say to me, Jesus says, in that day, what day? The day of judgment. Lord, Lord. Now that means they really mean it, and it's from their heart. Uh, he says, have we not prophesied in thy name? Whose name? Jesus' name. And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And what does Jesus say? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And you know where they're being departed to? The lake of fire. This is some serious business, isn't it? And there are a lot of people that false prophets have said, oh, all that matters is that you love Jesus. It doesn't matter what else you believe. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter any of that as long as you say you love Jesus. And there's going to be a lot of people that stand before the throne of Jesus and look him in the eye and say, Lord, Lord, I said I loved you and I did these things. Why can't I go to heaven? And Jesus will say to them, I never knew you and then they'll be cast into the lake of fire. Now, why do they say all these things? Lord, that's pretty specific. Lord, Lord, have we not done great things in my name? In thy name? Lord, what does he say? Uh, have we not prophesied? Prophet? That sounds like a false prophet to me. Prophesied in thy name, and cast out devils, and done many wonderful works? Why are they saying this? Why do they think that if it, because they've done these things, they're going to go to heaven? Because somebody told them that. Somebody told them that as long as they believe in their, if they say they believe in Jesus, as long as they do things in Jesus' name, that they get to go to heaven. 
Somebody told them that as long as you say you love God and Jesus and you do it in his name, that's all that matters. And again, the problem is that Jesus is very specific about how to believe and how to go to heaven. And it's narrow. And it doesn't matter how mean it sounds or how exclusive or intolerant it sounds. Jesus said there is one way. One way. Just because you believe in somebody called Jesus doesn't mean you believe the teachings of Jesus. And that doesn't mean you have a true relationship with God. And it doesn't mean you're on the narrow way. And so Jesus said, beware of false prophets. Jesus said that. From the very beginning, Jesus warned his disciples that this would happen, that there would be people who sound like they're teaching you about Christ and teaching you the word of God, but they aren't. Just not. And they might be really nice people, and that makes it hard because they're really nice people. But the, the, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, it's not going to matter how nice the person was who told you. What matters is the message that they have. And their message is the broad way, and it leads to destruction. You see. And so what Jesus said would happen, it started happening right away. We read it in Acts. The apostles said it. First John four one. John said, "Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world." Paul said in Second Thessalonians, in our next book, that ye not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. And so Paul said there were people who were claiming to be Paul and writing letters in Paul's name and messing people up doctrinally. There were some who were allowing false doctrines to affect what they believed. Galatians 1, Paul said this, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Apparently, even back then, there were people purporting another way to be saved, another gospel, but Paul said this, which is not another. There's only one gospel. There's only one way to be saved. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have been, what has been preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now, Paul, that's not very nice. I'm sorry. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. That's what Paul said. Well, what was happening? Well, people were telling them that you had to keep the Mosaic law to be saved. And even back then, there were people saying, you need to work to be saved. And today, there are people who say, you need to do works to be saved. And you have to go to church to be saved. And you have to be baptized to be saved. And you have to go to confirmation to be saved. And Paul said, that's another gospel, that is not another. There's only one way to be saved, and it's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and that's it. One way. Paul taught Timothy and Titus that one of their main jobs was to point out and separate from those who taught false doctrine. As pastors, Timothy and Titus were pastors, and Paul was helping them be pastors, and he said one of your main jobs is to, to point out and separate from false doctrine. Paul said to Timothy, if any man teach otherwise, this is 1 Timothy 6, 3-5, if you want to write that down. 
If any man teach otherwise, the word I taught, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine, sounds like Paul really cared about doctrine, which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions. And he goes on and what people will say. And he says this, from such, withdraw thyself. If someone is teaching something other than what the Bible teaches, then what we are called to do is withdraw ourselves from them. Titus said, for there are many, well, Paul told Titus, another pastor, in Titus 1, 10, and 11, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things that they ought not. So Paul told Titus, if there's someone in your church who is teaching false doctrine, their mouths must be stopped. And that was part of Titus's job as pastor. And so as pastor, part of my job is to point out false doctrine. It's out there. It's out there. To point out false doctrine and then make sure that our church withdraws from teaching that does not line up with Scripture. And part of my job is to, is to withdraw Valley Avenue Baptist Church from false teaching. It's part of my job. I'm not trying to be mean about it. I'm not going to have a bad spirit about it. But I will point out false doctrines. I will point out other denominations when I, and, and explain that, they, that what they're teaching is not biblical. We are to withdraw ourselves. That's why we don't link arms with other denominations. I'm sorry, but the reason that they are a different denomination is because they teach different doctrine. The reason the denomination exists is because there was a break in teaching. And that used to matter. In fact, there were wars over it before. Catholics would behead Baptists. Now, that's not what we're supposed to do. Okay? We're not out there. We don't need to force anybody to believe what we believe. We don't need to go persecute anybody because they don't believe like us. We need to be kind to all men. But it doesn't mean that we need to link arms and, and say that we believe everybody and what you believe is okay, what I believe is okay. That's not, how, that's not what the Bible says for us to do. The Bible says for us to peaceably separate from those who are not lined up with Scripture. Because the path is narrow. And beware of those who say it doesn't matter what you believe. Because that is the definition of the broad way. And that path seems nice and warm and fuzzy. And kumbaya is sung quite a bit on the broad way, but it leads to death. Now how did this all happen? How did we get so many different teachings within Christianity? How, how did all these churches who say they believe the same Bible come up with different doctrines, different teachings? How did they all disagree with each other? Well, the Apostle Paul told us exactly how that was going to happen. In 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, he says this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. You know what that means? That means that they were Christian, and they were taught the truth, and they turned away. Again, we're not talking about Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism. We're talking about people who, who sat under the teaching of the Word of God, and they did not like it. They would not endure it. And so they found somebody else who would tell them the Bible says what they want the Bible to say, having itching ears. Yeah. It means they had the Word of God, but they didn't like it. And so 
they didn't endure it. And so out of their own lust, they heap themselves teachers. And they didn't like what the Bible said, so they found a teacher who, listen, who looked like a pastor. Looked like a pastor. But inwardly, he was a ravening wolf who told them what they wanted to hear, itching their ears. And while they felt warm and fuzzy because of the itching of the ear, and the pastor was nice, and he said what they wanted to be, what wanted him to say, while they all felt good, it led to the path of destruction. And there are many who have already stood before the throne of Jesus and said, have I not? And they told me. So what are we supposed to do about this? Well, two verses before. Here's what Paul told Timothy to do. Preach the word. Yeah. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And so Paul said, Timothy, as a pastor, your job is to preach the word in season, out of season. That means that people want to hear it or they don't want to hear it. If people are mad at you for doing it or not mad at you for doing it, whether people are enduring it or they're really mad at you about it, you preach the word. Why? Because there will be others who will be waiting for those who don't endure sound doctrine to leave and go find someone who will tickle their ears. But Paul says to Timothy, you preach the word. And that's what he's supposed to do. And that's what I'm going to do. With all long suffering, I'm, I'm not going to have a bad spirit about it. I'm not going to beat anybody up about it. But I am going to confidently declare the word of God. In season and out of season. And there's some people who will receive it, and they will be in season. But there will be some that will be out of season. And they don't want to hear it. But that doesn't mean I, ha- I can change what I'm saying. I need to preach the word. But listen, it's not just the pastor who has to do something about this. That's, this is what our passage is all about. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul is helping the congregation, the sheep, right, to know how to handle false doctrine. It's not just the shepherd, the under-shepherd's job. Now, part of my job is to find the wolf and get him out. That's part of my job, just to be honest with you. That's part of the shepherd's job, isn't it? Is to keep wolves out of the sheepfold. That's part of my job. But I'm not the only one who has to deal with this. You see, Paul is helping the congregation to deal with false doctrine. And so he says, prove all things. He says, make sure that what you're hearing is from the Bible. You, your responsibility as a sheep is to make sure what you're hearing is from the Bible. Now, some of you haven't been saved very long, and some of you don't know a lot of the Bible yet, and, and my, part of my job is to help you know the Word of God and so that you can identify a wolf. And until then, you need, to, you need to stay close and stay with the other sheep and ask questions and get with the under-shepherd. And part of my job is to help you uh, identify what is false doctrine and true doctrine. But eventually, you need to start learning this for yourself. You need to start learning the Bible for yourself. And you need to start to identify wolves all on your own. And again, we're not, if we say identify wolves, we're not having bad spirits, and we're not trying to make people feel bad and, and act like we're better than everybody, and, and we've got it and no one else has it. There are others who have it, just not some in our town that don't have it, you see? But we're not the only ones who have it, you see? All we're trying to do is keep ourselves lined up with the Scripture, you see? And that's a theme of Scripture, Acts 17.11. Uh, Paul, after he left Thessalonica, he went to Berea. He planted a church there. 
In Acts 17.11, he said this, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. More noble. Thessalonica, that church is awesome. So the church at Berea was more noble than that church? How? In that, they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they were ready to think about it and, and do business in their mind and, and mull over the word of God. And he says this, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. They heard the scripture that Paul taught, and then they checked it out for themselves just to make sure. Because it wasn't Paul's word that mattered. It's God's word that mattered. It's not my word that matters. It's the word of God that matters. Yeah. Philippians 1.10, that you may approve things that are excellent. That means, again, testing things. Hebrews 5.14, but strong meat belongs to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. How do you tell what's good doctrine and not good doctrine? The only way is by reason of use, by sticking your face in the book and getting really under, getting very clear about what the Bible says. And if you're very clear about what the Bible says, then when someone says something that the Bible doesn't say, you'll be able to discern by reason of use, both the good and the evil. What that means is you need to learn what the Bible says for yourself. You need to read the Bible on your own. You need to. You have to. You need to love Bible preaching. And Bible preaching is not just fun, entertaining preaching. It's not just the fun stories and the illustrations and the jokes, although there's a place for those, and they're called illustrations. But the point of those is to illustrate what? What the real purpose of this all is, is so that you can understand the Word of God. And let's fall in love not just with, with the funny preacher or whatever and the entertainment value of it. Let's fall in love with the truth of the Word of God that is being proclaimed. And I'll do my best to engage your mind. And, and I'm sorry, but you're going to have to think when I preach because I want to teach you. And I want to engage your mind and I want to help you. I want to help you and your mind work through this process. And I want to show you so that you can see what I'm saying is from the Word of God. And I'm going to engage your mind. And don't let yourself become bored when I talk about context and definitions and point out other scripture. Don't let you, it could be boring, but don't let it be boring. Why? Because these are the things that help you see that what I'm saying is from the book. That's what I'm going to be primarily concerned about. Come to church ready to engage your mind like the church at Berea. By the way, that's also why we do discipleship. If you haven't gone through Continue yet, I would encourage you to, to look into that and see how you can do that because that's how we learn and, and, and pointedly learn some of the doctrine of the Word of God. You sit down and you study with somebody. That's good. We need that. Because you need to know why you believe what you believe. And more than just Brother Chad, or Brother Chad, Pastor Chad, whatever. Just not Reverend, okay? Elderberry is great too. Uh, but anyway, just not because I told you, because that's what I believe. You need to know what you believe. You need to get to that place. So I, again, I, I realize that some of you are newly saved and, and there's a process. But you ought to have a desire to know why you believe what you believe. And then when you've done the work and you've discovered that something is from the Bible, you hold fast to it, right? And you get excited about it, and you apply it, and you live it out. But then when you discover something that is not from Scripture, you stay far away, abstain from all appearance of evil. The strong word, abstain, means to stay far, far away. And false doctrine is a poison to a Christian and can leave them confused and eventually pull them out of the flock.
pleasing. And he says, from all appearance of evil. Again, these false prophets look mostly good. They're usually really, really nice. And they have on sheep's clothing. And they look a lot the same. A lot the same. But they're not the same. And if you follow them, and they will lead you to the broad path that leads to destruction. And that's why we don't link arms. That's why I'm not interested in ministerial alliances. That's why I'm not interested in, in activities in town where everyone from all the churches come together and try to worship God together. What are they even worshiping? We can't talk doctrine. What are we even talking about? I'm not interested in those kind of things. They're, they're the groups that don't care what denomination you are. They don't care what you believe. Let's just worship Jesus. That's the broad path. That is the definition of the broad path. You just worship Jesus, it doesn't matter what you believe. Not interested. And again, I'm not, I don't think they're mean, and I don't want to be mean. We're not going to have a bad spirit. And they might be very nice people. And they might claim to believe in Jesus, and they might claim to hold to the Bible. But, but in the end, they're not obeying this passage, which says, Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain. It does matter what you believe. And they might hold to some things that are good, but they're not abstaining from the appearance of evil. They're okay with the appearance of evil. They're okay with false doctrine. And by the way, none of their doctrine agrees with each other, either. But they just put that aside. The doctrinal differences are, are no big deal to them. They don't care if they disagree about doctrine. They, they're not interested in proving all things. They're not interested in proving all things. It sounds nice. And, and I might sound mean through this. It is what it is. But it might sound nice. But it is not proving all, all, all things. Remember all, the Greek word pos means all. All things. They're not interested in abstaining from the appearance of evil. What they're interested in is the broad path. What they're interested in is itching ears. And they don't want to offend, so they turn from the truth and teach what people want to hear. Stay off the broad path. Stay off the broad path. And again, that doesn't mean we have to be mean, but it also doesn't mean we have to join and they might take it as being mean or divisive, and if some of them heard this sermon, they might be saying, wow, Pastor Valiant about the church, he's just, he just divisive. I, mean, I don't intend it to be that way. I'm just doing what 2 Timothy 4.2 told me to do. I'm going to preach the word, and I'm going to do it in season and out of season. And I'm going to lead you, like Paul led the church of Thessalonica, to do this, to care about doctrine. Doctrine does matter. It does matter what you believe. It does matter what the people who you're hanging out with who are trying to teach you the word of God, it matters what they believe. Because there are wolves. And usually they don't even know they are. But what I am telling you is that doctrine does matter. And we need to prove all things. I'm going to lead you to hold fast to doctrinal teaching that is good. And I'm going to lead you to abstain from all appearance of evil. Why? Because the broad path prophets... That's what we'll call them. The broad path prophets. Might seem nice, and they might be nice. But in reality, the end of that path leads to destruction. So stay off the broad path. And be tuned to the voice of the wolf. How do you do that? 
Make sure you know very well the voice of the shepherd. And I've got to say this one more time. This is not a call to go out there and debate and be yelling at people who don't believe like us. It's not a call for that. It's just a call to abstain. You need to be in part of that. Stay off the broadcast because it leads to destruction. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it helps us. And God, we are thankful for your voice and that we can know what you teach. And thank you for the warnings of Christ and the warnings of Paul and the warnings of John. Help us to care much about doctrine, God and that we would make it important to us and so that we can stay on the narrow path and follow you the way that you have us. Lord, we love you. Christ in my prayer. Amen.